Hello, I'm Sean Weston and this is episode 27 of Big Tech Little Tech. I'm joined by my co-host, as usual, Rick Hookstep, who has returned from his cycling trip unscathed. How are your legs feeling, Rick? You know, very well. Pistons, I think, is the way I've described them. <laughs> it was it was it was interesting. I'd never done, you know, I've never done five days of cycling back to back and um, uh, only a couple of the lads had. And I thought the failure would be my knees would give in or I would just get to like day three and think I just can't move them. And actually, it's amazing how your your body adjusts. Well, do you have problems with your knees before you went? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm a classic Piscean. And uh, Pisceans always suffer with bad knees. It's funny for a fish, isn't it, really? (laughs) (laughs) Strange one. Uh, But no, it's fine. I mean, we actually actually got on very well. And I think as as the week went on, we felt stronger and stronger. And the funny thing was that we all joked about the fact that none of us were sleeping very well. We were, we were all, sh- you know, there were seven of us. So we were, we were sort of sharing rooms and everything. Um, but I think we were taking glucose tablets and isotonic tablets and all that kind of stuff just to make sure we didn't get dehydrated. Yeah, and we were probably all a bit high on, on glucose. <laughs> um, and so afterwards, when we come back, you know, a day or two later, um, I think we all then slept for a lot um, but it was great, uh, great fun. Um, I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. And there was one guy on our trip who had, uh, Simon, who's a regular listener. Hello, Simon. Uh, Hello, he, Simon. He hadn't done any cycling. I mean, he, this, you know, prior from the training for a couple of months, he was fine. He, he yeah. absolutely fine. So I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, yeah. and the Elgarve's a great ride. Apart from it's a bit hilly at the other end. You, you, a lot of the track, you're cycling along the coastline, along boardwalks, along... It's really, really scenic. Yeah, yeah really sounds scenic. sounds good. You know, I had a vision of you because because my partner's dad is a lifelong cyclist, and he used to, you know, book trips with his pals mm. and go riding off in the mountains of Tenerife or you know places like that. And so I had a, a vision of you doing the same, sort of being in some remote region somewhere, you know, no water. Yeah, <laughs> the, a lot of you are huddling under the smallest tree yeah. for shade. There was, but, it, there was, but it was better than that. Yeah, it was more. There, there was lot. Well, there was lots of stretches when you were you were in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's funny because the Algarve's very developed. I mean, it's only it's a relatively short stretch, it's about one hundred and fifty miles, I think, from end to end. Um, and there's some very big developed areas, but there's lots of it which is still wilderness. And there was there were times when we were cycling for what seemed like you know years without seeing anybody, and. Um, that was quite remote, but it was fine. I mean, Good. we really, really did enjoy it. Um, I'll tell you the story. On our very first day, we got the train over to Lagos, and then we were cycling. And our first stop, we ended up having a, a sushi, a large sushi lunch. That's beach. a bit of a risk, isn't it? At the beginning, it was. Of the trip? Yeah, well, we we weren't thinking, right? It shows our inexperience. And we we ended up we stopped for like coffee and and a cake, and we ended up having a, an all you can eat buffet for six ninety five, <laughs> and. Um, and then we didn't realize that as you come out of this town called Salema on the, on the Algarve, you had the biggest hill you could ever imagine. Oh. And it was, it must have been about 15 or 16 degrees. And it just went on forever. And we just hit this hill anyway. Some of us did it all, but that was kind of like the, that was almost within the first hour of cycling. We had the biggest <laughs> hill ever. So we won't do that again. But anyway, yeah, no, good experience. Fun. Good yeah, fun. good, good. Well, it's, it's been a, a low tech trip for you. So, when I ask you what your tech of the week is, do you have anything? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, Go on I then. Do. What is it? I, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, <clears throat> it's going to be an AI one again. So you probably saw this week, Sean, that there was another group of researchers 
have raised concerns. And there's all these headlines that were on, you know, mainstream news about the end of humanity yeah. as a result of, of AI. And, um, you know, whilst I, I get that there are some, and I, I share some of the concerns about the pace at which AI is developing and the unpredictability of it, because even the engineers that have developed this stuff just don't really, they can't really tell you what's happening now. The scale and the computing power that's behind it this thing is sort of a bit of a, a giant experiment. No, they don't really know what's gonna where it's gonna end up. So, mm. you know, there are genuine reasons to be concerned. But I wouldn't I wouldn't um, want to scare my mum to say, look, you know, this is the end of humanity because we're all going to get taken over by the Terminator. And so I was I was looking around at things of well, how do you kind of demonstrate that for somebody that doesn't really know much about technology? They just see these these provocative the, headlines. So exactly. I did what, I did what's called the Apple test and. Do you know what the Apple test is? Is it Apple as in the fruit or the company? It doesn't matter. It's the word Apple. Do oh, you know what the Apple test is? Well, obviously not. No. So what you do is you go to an AI and you say, write 10 sentences that ends with the word Apple. Now, how hard could that be? Hmm. Okay. You, could, you, could, you and I could do it, couldn't we? We could sit there. I would hope so. My favorite fruit is an apple, right? You are an apple. You are enough, right? So anyway, so I, I sat down and of course I've got access to a lot of these different AI systems and I put it in and have a guess out. I, I don't know how many, let's see. Oh, what was it? Uh, got half of them? Get, guess, ha, guess how many. That's my guess. That's my guess. Guess how many got it right. They gave me 10 unique sentences that ended with the word Apple. That's my guess. 50%. Zero. 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 Yeah, well, there you go. Zero. So, and the funny thing, so I went, so the best was ChatGPT Plus, which is the one you pay $25 a month for. And that got mm. nine out of 10. Um, uh, ChatGPT was about three out of 10. But my funniest one was Pi. You remember we talked about Pi the other week? You know, oh, the, yeah, yeah. So I went into Pi and I said, uh, do this. And it did it differently to everyone else. All the others kind of come back with very factual based, you know, my favorite fruit is an apple or um, it's good you know, to end the day with an apple or something like that. Mm -hmm. But this wrote more soft, sensitive, kind of emotional type statements, but it got it all completely wrong. So I go back into the chatbot and I said, um, you, you know, how many, how many do you think you, you got right? And he says, I got them all right. I said, well, you wrote, first you wrote 11 and asked for 10. And the second, there was only three that ended with the word apple. And they went, oh, I'm ever so sorry. Can I have another go? This is me having a, a conversation with Pi. So I typed and I said, yeah, of course you can have another go. So its response was, it wrote 10 sentences that was apple, 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 apple. Right. <laughs> right all Which right. is a clever answer. So, I, clever I, so, I, so I, my response to Pi was, because I feel like now it's my best friend. I said, um, I said um, are you trying to be funny? And its response was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really so, good. You know, so I, I, guess, I guess, you know, Oh, are we going to see the end of humanity? Well, it can't. It can't do the Apple test. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I've, I've seen similar tests as well, where it, it just drops the ball, basically. So, yeah, we don't have that to worry about. But maybe what we do have to worry about is how thick it can be. You know, so say you're in the, the nuclear uh, <laughs> bunker or whatever, and you, you say, right, we're not going to start the world war here. We're not going to do it. So AI. Don't push anything uh, that has a red button. Mm. And then it goes, I don't understand red. I'll push all the buttons for you. <laughs> you know? Well, you don't want a thick AI, you know, it's kind of. 
Well, anyway. I just wrote. I, I mean, I just wrote my weekly um, uh, column for my uh, newsletter, and um, I used the term. I said, you know, the thing is that AI is a super smart dumbass machine. I'm forming the conclusion that it's really, really good at things, but it's also it's it should not be called artificial intelligence because it's not intelligent at all. It's no. um, it's just a very good pattern matcher, yeah. and um, it it doesn't know what's good or wrong or, or bad or right or wrong. So um, anyway, that yeah. was my kind of that was my that was my. I must share with you after the show, and, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Mm. But there was a great post by a copywriter on LinkedIn who compared. AI with the speech from Goodwill Hunting. So I'll share that with you afterwards as well. It's really quite good. You're right, so hang in. I want to hear because I, yeah. I like good. I like the film. It's long. Okay. <laughs> All okay. right. So uh, we're going to read the news now. But I actually got uh, an AI thing to read the news for us. So uh, here you go. Here's the news. Jaguar Land Rover owner Tata will open an electric car battery plant in the UK. Sony is back in the mobile gaming space with its Project Q handheld console. Abu Dhabi is going open source with its large-scale AI model called Falcon 40B. Twitter has withdrawn from the EU's voluntary code against disinformation. Nvidia's shares near a trillion-dollar valuation following impressive quarterly results. Neuralink has received US FDA clearance for its first in-human clinical trial. And finally, General Motors plans to phase out Apple CarPlay and Android Auto technologies. That was the news for this episode. My name was Ryan, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the show. And, and Ryan, to be honest, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing podcast, more podcasts with you because I have to say that's the best news in, in 27 episodes. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. <laughs> It was still me. I was putting on a voice. <laughs> Ryan Weston, is that what you're saying? He's good fun though, wasn't he? Yeah. I like the way that, the you know, some words he stumbled over, such as <laughs> they're allowed to start in human trials. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they will be. <laughs> Right, let's dive into the field of rehabilitation engineering, which focuses on enhancing the lives of people with disabilities. So this usually means things like prosthetics, orthotics, and assistive technologies like hearing aids, things like that. Going a step further is BCI, which stands for Brain Computer Interface. Rick, I read about cybernetics expert Kevin Warwick, who is regarded as the first guy to improve plant technology into himself you heard about that guy um i haven't heard about that guy but i was listening to a podcast in preparation which was one of the the guys from Neuralink, and it, it might be the same guy who's got a chip in his in his hand all right no it's not the same guy but, yeah but go on well he he has a chip because there's there's two types there's the invasive uh, uh chips that people you know are using um very fine robotic um, technology to implant into the brain, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll probably come on to. But then there's a non-invasive one where they're putting chips into the skin. And um, and that, that's classed as non-invasive when it goes under your skin. Well, it, yes. Yeah. It, okay. it's, in, it's degrees of, it, I mean, it's, it's not like a plaster. You know, degrees um, of invasion. Yes, degrees. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
So tell okay. me about your guy, though. What's, what's well, this guy's called Kevin Warwick, and uh, I forget what year this was now, but he, he goes back a few years now. He planted an electrode array into his arm, and it enabled him to control a robotic hand and interact with his environment through electrical signals. Now, he didn't need this arm, I should add. Um, I don't think. He, he was experimenting uh, on himself technology that he developed and apparently he's listed as being the first person to do so so okay so i maybe joining the dots so we we might mm. you know get fact checked and get this kind of wrong but in yes when i was preparing it like examples of of where this has been used in 2012 in america in berkeley um in berkeley berkeley however you say it yeah i know i always struggle with that yeah the, uh, but there, that was the example where they, they he, he, the guy put a chip to control an arm. A oh, robot I wonder if it's arm. the same guy. Yeah, that's true. I, I that's thought he was a Brit, but but yeah. Yeah, it okay. could well, yeah. But I, I guess that just shows us how far back the technology goes. But I think yeah. it has it has evolved rapidly. And of course, now you've got the added element of artificial intelligence and the the chip technology, which is essentially picking up the elect- the electronic signal that the brain produces. Hmm. And it's this combination which is causing quite a lot of excitement. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't talk about my tech of the week on purpose because my tech of the week is actually uh, a chap who was recently on the BBC website. I found, I saw the video and he's not been able to walk, I think, since he had uh, an accident. I Mm -hmm. think it was a car accident when he was 28. Is this the guy in Switzerland? I think it might be Rick. Yeah. He's 40 now and um, they put an implant to help him uh, find his feet, literally, again, to be able to walk. Magnificent. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. That's where we're at these days. I saw that. I saw, I did see that story and um, it's, it's quite uplifting what can Mm. be done. I I looked at, I mean, it's not, it's not a home uh, subject for me. So I kind of had to do a bit of digging around to find stuff, but the, the, Practical uses for all of this once they get it working is huge. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not just like paralyzed limbs. You know, they they'll use it to treat autism and depression and schizophrenia mm. and as well as things like you know you'd be able to do web browsing and change the television without without having to touch the remote. Um, well, but does, well, we'll come to that because I've found people who who do stuff like that. Yeah, well. but you know, it's things like helping helping people see. You know, somebody that's blind and you can see or helping somebody control epilepsy uh, and their seizures. Um, you've mentioned things like prosthetics, controlling robotic arms. This example in Switzerland was was quite impressive because the, apparently, um, uh, you know, the guy can get around, can't he, on his, hmm. on his own, even though he's paralyzed yeah. from the waist down. Yes, and yeah. um, it's quite lovely to see, actually. Quite, yeah, quite fulfilling. Yeah. So, actually, you've you've rightly pointed out a number of different applications um, that we could talk about here, but let, let's get a little specific. Mm. Um, and I think the term they use, please correct me if I'm wrong, Rick. It's biomedical engineering. So, um, and it's rehabilitation engineering, sort of off that as well. So, we are talking about uh, enhancing the quality of life or independence of those with physical impairments or disabilities. Yeah. Let's yeah. focus on that if we can. Yeah. So, but, but in particular, let's also connect it with that news we've heard recently about Elon Musk's company, his other company, Neuralink. Can you give us some background about what, what they do? 
yes, I can. Yes, I can. Uh, so, so Neuralink is one of Elon Musk's, you know, companies. He's got the Boring Company. He's got um, Tesla, as everybody knows. He's got the space, you know, company and all the rest SpaceX, of it. And of yeah. course, Twitter. If, um, yeah. if he's, he's still got it's that. a funny one in the pack, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a one. A weird but, one. But Neuralink is, um, you know, a company that's probably the most well-known. There are, I think there are 20 or 30 companies in this field uh, around the world, maybe even more, but I can only find that sort of many. Um, but Neuralink's probably the most well-known one. And that, their goal is to develop technologies to overcome, uh, I think they would call clinical challenges, Right, as well as as well as also understanding how the brain works and seeing how they can augment and improve the way the brain works. So you've kind of got two levels. There's one which is, can you um, use the technology to um, to overcome a, a condition? So you're paralysed, or you've got some some function in the brain that's not that's not working correctly, and can you bypass that? By using, by basically picking up the signals and then just routing them through a different means to the endpoint. Well, let's just take a step back there and just paint that picture. The first stage of the picture would be having something perhaps inside your head mm. and uh, bridging those gaps, synapses, and, and well, these and, things. This uh, this is fascinating. <laughs> well, I was fascinated. I was listening to this 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 guy who's at Neuralink explain how they do it, and basically these microchips are like smaller than a than a a hair a human hair they're that small and they're so small they can't actually be handled by a human hand they're just too small so yeah i read this yeah yeah. so they use robots um they Mm. use robots to insert them into the brain now it's all under human control right you're not kind of like put into some joe 90 machine and having big needles stuck into your head well to be to be honest i prefer as little human control as possible let the robot do it just just let him do it yeah i mean you know humans shake they sneeze you know they tremor tremble they you know and, and of course yeah. <laughs> well when you're going into the brain you've got such a condensed packed um area you know i think if they spread it all out it's like the size of spain or something when you mm. know your brain up and you've got to be very precise because they can pinpoint exactly where to put the microchip but they they have to use um uh precision which they can only really achieve through a what they would call a robotic type uh, type device, but it is under yeah. human uh, supervision because you've still got to open up the brain and be careful. But they they implant these things right at the point, and because uh, the thinking still happens, the thoughts are still generated by the brain. But when you've got a, another part of the sort of the the con- connection to the endpoint uh, is broken, whether that's a spinal injury or whatever, then they basically bypass it, and that's either done through a wire or more increasingly through through um you know a wireless transmission of the signal to the uh, yeah i've heard uh, am i right in saying uh, that bluetooth is used quite a lot yeah 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 yeah. i mean this guy that this (laughs) this guy from uh, Neuralink who's on has got uh him and his wife have got chips in their hands and they use bluetooth and uh there's apparently they're passive devices there's no battery in them i Mm. i didn't quite understand how they worked uh, and he's got one that he's got talking about upgrading, but it means, you know, he can do he can do things like he can open his door, <laughs> he can, right. um, and but just a wave of the hand kind of thing. Or yeah, you know, like just... we talked about before with Amazon and, and uh, with the yeah. payments, you know, which is reading your your vein pattern. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine if you've got a unique chip which is which is um, you know encoded and encrypted, so it's only yours. Then yeah. literally, you have got the keys or your passwords to your computer or whatever. 
literally on on your hand so he uses yeah. it in that kind of way yeah yeah but Obviously, i think we i you know to me that's kind of novel and interesting i'm not sh- i'm not sure i'm yet ready to have a tattoo or or a bit um um put into my hand but i i am would you be intrigued. interested if you, if 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 you got a diagnosis of early uh, stage Parkinson's? Would you consider having something like this? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, they've already had. Uh, I think it was last year in Pennsylvania. They they were treating a woman who had Alzheimer's disease, yeah. and and uh, they were able to use uh, a brain a chip in her brain to help her remember her husband's name. Oh. Uh, and she, you know. We've all seen movies like, was it The Notebook? Was it that brilliant film? Oh, I haven't with seen James that. That's on my list. That's a, fan, that's a lovely story of a, mm. of a couple that spent their life together. And he, anyway, it's a great movie. So it's, mm. um, but you know, I would, yeah. And the, the other one was um, ALS, that, um, that disease, which kind of is a degenerative disease, autism, oh, yeah. is, you know, all these oh, things. Yeah, yeah. ALS. Uh, they're all yeah, be, yeah there's all a, yeah, it's all because it's all to do with the function of the brain. So anyway, so yeah. I, I I think any of that is uh, is is applaudable. Yeah, 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 and and particularly helping older people with the motor and, and cognitive abilities as we as we degenerate uh, as yeah. we age. Yeah, well, Can I tell uh, you it's about- relevant. I'm glad you raised it, Sean, because you mm. know, to be honest, you know, I'm at that point in my life when I might need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you about a young man? He's called uh, James Young. Uh, James was, uh, if I remember, he was hit by a train and he became a double, double amputee. Oh my word. I think he's still in his twenties. I'm not quite sure. Um, and he sort of went for it. Then he got support, uh, from the video game company, Konami. I don't know if you know, did they do street fighter or something like that? Mm -hmm. You've heard of Konami Mm -hmm. and, uh, they made a bionic arm for him. And the, this arm has a 3D printed hand. I'll, I'll put a video to this in the show notes. And he controls the hand with sensors that de- detect muscle movements in his back. Now, he didn't stop there. The, the bionic arm has a USB charger, Twitter connectivity, a built-in torch, a heart monitor, and apparently it has a compact drone inside it as well. For what purpose, I do not know. <laughs> But after the accident, after he had this accident, he, he actually found uh, mental solace in the gaming community. And I think it helped him feel able-bodied. Isn't that interesting in itself? It's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, imagine if you had a built-in drone and you sat there and you're, you're having your movie night and you're out of chocolate buttons. Uh, I it, knew you'd get there. Yeah, there you go. Off it goes. Oh, your head, uh, li- the top of your head opens up, out flies the drone. <laughs> back in five minutes. But um, it's kind of a bit like the $6 million man kind of yeah. territory, don't you think? Oh, I used to love the $6 million Yeah, man, I did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In my show notes, I wrote his name as Lee Austin. <laughs> Lee Austin. Well, Steve it's, Austin, was it, was it Steve, not? It was, it was Lee Steve Majors Austin. and Steve Austin. And I mixed, Lee Majors, yeah. 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 Who's, uh, who's still with us because he's bionic, obviously. He is still with us, yeah. He must be as old as the hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're listening, Lee, because we, we know <laughs> bionic people listen to the podcast, good on you, mate. Nice to see you're still ticking. Yeah. Um, there, is a side, I, uh, there is a side to this, though, that, that kind of does also raise some questions because... Oh, go on. Do you mean ethical questions? Ethical questions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you were going to I'm sure you were going to kind of lead us down Let's get to it. That, that road. But, mm. um, yeah, there is a kind of an ethical side to this as well because on the one hand, we're talking about the ability of someone that's been 
disadvantaged, disabled, you know, um, uh, has a condition that can, and their symptoms can be alleviated and, and, and helped. And that's, you know, you, you can't think that there's a, ever a downside to that. But of course, imagine if you then added that to an able-bodied person, mm. particularly if it helped them to think faster, remember more, access more stuff in their brain, or that you could implant a chip that would make them just perform slightly better than somebody without it, you know, they're kind of like super chipped to them, like you would in a car. Uh, wow. Are we talking uh, chess tournaments or sporting events? Here well, I think it's both. I mean, I think there's, um, obviously there's a, there's probably more potential in things like, uh, you know, mastermind or, or chess tournaments or, yeah. um, so we're going to the next level of people who cheat at quiz night with their phones. Yeah. We're going to the next level. It's actually in their head and they're getting all the answers. Well, fed what, was to that, what was that thing recently about the, the chess player? There was some, there was some guy that was caught cheating, wasn't he? He was, he was one of these playing online chess and he was, and it turned out that he had, uh, he was using a computer to help him. Oh, I missed this. Okay. Yeah. Hang was, on, me, me chess sinking. There we go. Yeah, um, but you know it's that kind of thing, and so there is there is a, there is an element of like everything with technology of yeah. the how can it be abused? Um, you know, could you create a sort of a an army, for example, of superhumans where they've got chips built in which either allow them to communicate in a way? Imagine because you know at, at some point you're going to get a situation when. I could think something and you could hear it as a thought um, because the the chips might communicate with each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it, when it came to thinking about the ethical uh, implications of this, it did make me think about what's currently being discussed with AI, generative AI and things like that and um, chat GPT itself mm. and the ethical questions we're asking around that. And one of them at the moment is the speed at which it's being developed. Uh, so AI's being developed really, really quickly. Should we be doing the same for BCI? The you know the, the uh, around safety mm. and regulations because I've heard that BCI is also really breaking ground and regulators are not really keeping up mm. around policy and inconsistent levels of oversight and things like that. I think this. So like, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, however, I would say the difference is that. Um, BCI is the, the the control is about putting it onto humans, and so you mentioned at the beginning and the news about um, Neuralink has now been given FDA approval. They're not the first; others have been given approval, but it means that they can now uh, start trialing on humans some of their technology. At the moment, they use mainly monkeys, and they've had uh, they've got some bad stories come out about you know animal welfare, which is a kind of a whole new area of testing on on animals. But they've been doing that. Um, but I think with the BCI thing, you're always going to have that barrier of of it's it's testing it's actually going to be implemented on humans, and therefore you're going to have to get a license and approval to do it before it can be rolled out. Whereas with AI, there is nothing. And let's face it, in the United States, where most of these technology companies come from, the United States is probably the worst jurisdiction in the world for having no regulations whatsoever and. and basically giving technologists a free hand to do whatever they want. Uh, AI in the hands of Americans is probably a bad thing, I would say. Uh, but BCI, I think, is different because it's, you know, the, the FDA is, is 
has got ultimate control and they can't really do anything without getting approved. Yeah, that's true. And, and we should probably break this down because I found out a little bit about the what the approval means. And you know this already, Rick, probably, but there's three different classes. And Neuralink has been uh, approved as a class three medical device. And that basically means for devices that have uh, a high risk to the patient or the, or the user, um, they I think other examples of class three devices, I'm reading this, include implantable pacemakers and breast implants, and they represent 10% of medical devices regulated by the FDA. So so that's where we're at with Neuralink at the moment. Mm. The approval is class three. Um, and I think their hope is to get to class two and then eventually to class one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the, the regulators are pretty well, um, They've got some control, right? I think I think you you know you're not going to see this running out of control like you are with the generative AI stuff because that you know they do have to go through these gating systems and it will be just the same in the UK, just the same in the European Union, um, and you know most certainly in the West, you know they're going to have that level of approval. I don't think they'll find anywhere. Well, of course, can. that is the sort of medical approval. Um, there are other areas of oversight that may need to be thought about that may get out of hand. And I'm, I'm thinking here of um, things like social stigma, uh, privacy around these things, mental health issues around these things, potential psychological distress associated with brain-to-brain -brain communication, that, that sort of thing. So th those side things that the FDA you know may not worry so much about but they may become something down the line and that could be something we ought to be thinking of. well I, I so that's a, that's a very good point because you're right because the FDA are going to look at the like the the first instance so you know the act of putting the chip into the brain is that gonna is that dangerous what level of danger is risk is there and is that acceptable you know alongside things like putting a pacemaker in or or any other cosmetic type treatments. Um, <clears throat> but then, of course, you got further down the line, you've got, okay, once the chip's in, then what happens? Because you've now got an electron, a means of getting some thoughts that are going on inside your head, which, you know, we all know are, you, you know, only we know them. And now there's a means, albeit very primitive and very restricted. Because remember, you put a chip into your brain, doesn't mean it accesses the whole brain. It's accessing... Just a very, a yeah. very, very, very specific mm -hmm. uh, area. So, yeah. um, you know, if you don't put it in the frontal cortex bit where all your thinking is going on, it's, it's pretty irrelevant. But there is, there, is a, there is a concern that you start going, you know, where does this end up? Do you have a situation when uh, people could be discriminated a, a, against? You know, would you say on an insurance question, do you have a chip in your brain? Um, yes, no. Does that affect your risk rating? Um, so this this. There are longer concerns, but I think we're a long way from that. Um, I think that, Me too. Me I, too. I, you know, there's only about 40 people that I can find as examples. There's only about 40 people in the world that have had this kind of trial on them. And let's say I've missed some. You know, it's 100 maybe. We're not talking about significant amounts of people. So we're let's long, hope we don't. Let's way. hope we're not led by uh, people in, in tech yeah. who, who have a... a a thing about let's cross that bridge when we come yeah. to it. But you know the upsides. We need to know what the bridge looks like yeah, before yeah, yeah. we get. But to I, it. you know the upsides, I think, are demonstrable, and um, you know long, long may that kind of continue. But it does seem to be going at a slow pace. And as I said at the beginning, you know, 2012 was the 
was the first example I found. So that's, that's over a decade. And we're looking at generative AI. I mean, it was, what, 2017 that Google uh, uh, wrote the Transformer paper, which was essentially the, the start of the AI revolution that we're seeing today. So it's taken six years to get from Google essentially changing the way AI the AI philosophy before was always about trying to create human logic. And now it's about essentially learning by example. And that was shifted by the Transformer paper. And that's only six years. And look at where we are. Yeah. Um, this the BCI stuff goes back twice as long as that. And we're only just getting FDA approvals to do level three trials. So, you know, it's a different scale, different uh, timeline. Can I finish our discussion on a light note of uh, people in your neck of the woods, actually, strangely. Mm. And most of these people, they belong to uh, a collective called Cyborg Arts. Okay. And it's a talent agency and they're offering services, you know, online talks, performances, workshops, things like that. But these are cyborg artists. They've been going since 2013 itself. And it's you've probably heard the name Neil Harbison. Um. But the, there's someone else called uh, Manel, Manel de Agua Munoz. All right. Apologies for my pronunciation. Moon Ribas and Paul Lombardi. And I think most of these guys are in Barcelona. Uh, but Neil Harbison was the first person in the world to have an antenna implanted in his skull. You'll see pictures of him and he has it over his head. And he, he well, I never, him. no, I've not heard of yeah, any of yeah. this. I've just. Um... Fantastic. And Manel. Developed and installed weather sensory fins in his head. Moon Ribas has seismic sensors in her feet that enable her to feel earthquakes through vibrations. <laughs> and finally, Paul. Paul Lombard sells his heartbeats as works of art and developed a new type of NFT linked to living bodies. So I've, I've just, I've, I've just opened a web page up and I'm just looking at Neil Harbison. You'll recognize them now, do you? Because I'd seen them I'd never heard these, but no, this is new to me. But you've got to put that picture on the... um, He's great, isn't he? I love him. I think he's fantastic. Is that that permanent, that microphone? Yeah, yeah. um, Well, it's it's not a microphone. Uh, Read about it. It's it's something to help him with uh, color blindness, I believe. Um, But he can see in ways that we can't, I think. And it's helped his... uh, artistic creative self oh i'm gonna look and, at uh, this i've never if you're like me i'm very arty i, I like this sort of thing yeah. so uh, people explore different things and these are cyborg arts well i never i'm looking forward to that in fact we're going to be driving past barcelona in a couple of weeks time and i might i hadn't planned on stopping in barcelona but i might i might take a detour once i've had a look at this okay rick everything good comes to an end it's not us. Uh, podcast listeners, rest assured, Big Tech Little Tech is still continuing. Well, and, you say uh, that, Sean, but I have to say, Ryan as as Ryan the AI. Right, Ryan, Ryan Weston, as I'm now going to refer to him. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I might, I might be following up with him. Yeah, well, all right then. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> this is our first TIFF online. Our first <laughs> It could be our first JPEG. Oh, there's, a, there's a techie joke for you. Anyway, series that come to an end. It was the end of Ted Lasso the other night. And it was you that tuned us into that. But you haven't been watching this season. Am I right? You know, it's, it's, 
after you sent me that message the other day, I did say to her, I said, look, we're going to have to try it. So uh, for episodes, uh, series one and two, we loved, we loved it. We absolutely yeah. loved it. And we couldn't wait for series three. And we watched the first episode. And after about 15 minutes, and this is very unusual, Sue you got gave up. gave it 15 minutes? Yeah. It was like, seriously, did someone forget that this is meant to be a comedy? It was, it was like, it was predictable. It was false. It was, so we. I've got a feeling I know what you mean. We I, just I think that first episode was a little bit off. Yeah, it center. was just a bit. Yeah. And I thought, God, this is amateur. They've obviously, you know. So we didn't, we didn't actually finish the first episode of series. Oh, three. no, carry on. It's some of the best episodes we've seen. Oh, really? Thing. Oh, okay. It's joy. It's joy. Well, when, when you said the other night, I did say to Sue, look, we, we've still got it favorited. We should, we should give it a go. But we've, yeah. We, we're backed Please up do. with stuff to watch. Yeah, and and I don't know. You've obviously got Apple TV because you watched mm. Ted Lasso. Have you tuned into Drops of God yet? No, don't know that one. What a show! What a show! It's one of my favourite shows of, of the year so far. What's it about? Um, it's about wine, and that's it. That's all I'm telling you because it's there's so much more to it than just wine. It's uh, an emotional twist and turns. Um, it's international. It, mm. A lot of it's based in um, Japan. Mm. So it's a Japanese storyline. There's a, a French storyline. They go to Italy. Mm-hmm. They're in America. It, it's just a fabulous program. And the final episode of Drops of God is tonight. Oh. As, uh, so we're recording this on Friday, folks. And uh, I'll be watching the last one tonight. And you also have a, a final yeah. so, show. <clears throat> so last Obviously, I was away last week, so I so so episode nine, and then the very final episode, episode ten of Succession, I missed because you know it was like either end of my trip. So, uh, and I've had people staying with me, so I got finally got rid of them on Wednesday. So <laughs> the last two nights, and they were longer episodes, and uh, we are big Britain's Got Talent fans, so it's the semi-finals week. So for us, it's you know it doesn't finish till eleven o'clock at night. So I, you know. So anyway, so last night I watched the f- season finale of, or the series finale, the whole show of, of Succession. Succession. Oh my God, yeah. what a... Pro- no spoilers, no spoilers. I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. I have to say, I, 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 was, t- I was telling Sue this morning because she didn't, she's not, she doesn't like it. I said, um, the, the quality of the writing is, um, is, is, I think, what stands out. Because when it ended, I just thought, you know what, I'm satisfied I didn't need any more. I didn't finish thinking well, that didn't make any sense or I can't wait for the next one. It was just like, that's how it was meant to end. And it was such a good final show last night. I, I, I have to say, I'm going to watch it again, the whole four seasons. I love Succession. It's funny. It's well-written. The characters are amazing. I, can't, I still can't decide which one I want to be at the Brothers. I loved it. So yeah, so I switched off from it, so I, I, I haven't bothered with it since oh. probably halfway through the so I've now got three yeah. I've got three like standout see, uh, there's Breaking Bad there's Dexter yeah. and there's now Succession oh and I didn't be- know you were a Dexter fan oh Me yeah too. massive massive yeah. and then and not the new one though but I haven't watched the new one so. well what the film they did oh was that a film I thought it was a new scene no no they, they did a they did a one off film which was okay I mean it was alright it was okay it was a, you know, it was it was okay. It kind of like it just—it was closure on the yeah. Dexter story, but you didn't miss anything. No, I love Dexter. What a great character. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. yeah. We shouldn't like him, should we? But well, we that's do. the whole point. It's the same with Breaking Bad, isn't it? You know, you're, yes. you know, you're not supposed to like the serial killer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Drug dealer. Exactly. Right. No. You know, kind of fella. But they're, they're doing it for good reason. You know, they've got a good reason. So that kind of negates it. Yeah. Um, but no, Succession, honestly, I just thought it's great acting, fantastic storyline, excellent writing. Loved every minute of it. And I'm going to watch it again. Tell me that you've watched Robot and Frank. Oh, you know what, mate? Just tell me. Uh, no, I can't because I haven't. I, a, I've been rather busy and I've not been here, so I've been a bit out of the loop for a couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you, but you've watched Britain's Got Talent, Succession. Yeah, because I, can, I can't find it. I can't find where I'm going to watch it. That's right. the thing. So you Fair see, enough. If you tell me where it is... Um, yeah, I don't actually know, but I will. I'll see if, if you find it. I, 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 it's not been high up on my list because we... We go, we go on a charming. I bet you, I bet you, if Ryan asked you. Well, funny enough, he's just sent me a message. He just sent me a text, <laughs> and uh, we, we're going. <laughs> we're having coffee tomorrow. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Now, if on that note, I'm going to hey, say, I'm going to, if go I, I'm on. going to, I'm writing it down right now. All right. What's the film called again? Robot and Frank. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Robot and okay. Frank. All right. I'm going to find okay. Well, thank, thanks everyone for tuning in to our 27th episode of Big Tech, Little Tech. We will be back uh, before you know it in a couple of weeks to talk about uh, tech, serious and not so serious. I was Sean Weston. And I'm on the phone to Ryan at the, mo- at the minute. Yeah, yeah. You're free next Monday. Yeah, you're on. Yeah, you're on.